Do you have trouble speaking your truth? Are your feelings hurt easily? Would you rather guess than know? And does this work for you? Are you hard on yourself with negative self-talk and self-abuse? Then today's show is for you. Welcome to Love Life, featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Today I'm sharing with you my all-time number one favoritest book. Yes, favoritest. A new word <laughs> in the whole wide world. And I've read a lot of books. So this book I've gifted to more people than any other gift It's my number one book that I recommend to all people, regardless of what stage they are at in their self-development. And it's a game changer, a simple read that instantly helps people to lead a more self-empowered life. I'm talking about The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And for those who are familiar with his work, I'm also going to be talking today about The Fifth Agreement, plus the Love Life Tribe are joining us again and sharing what their favorite book is and why. So let's get into it. Thousands of years ago, the Toltec were known throughout southern Mexico as women and men of knowledge. Anthropologists have spoken of the Toltec as a nation or a race, but in fact the Toltec were scientists and artists who formed a society to explore and conserve the spiritual knowledge and practices of the ancient ones. They came together as masters and students at the ancient city of pyramids outside Mexico City, known as the place where man becomes God. Now, I understand that for many thousands of years, much of this Toltec wisdom was held under lock and key. They knew how powerful this information was, and through a bit of trial and error, it had been received by some people that had different intent, not necessarily the good kind of intent, and that knowledge was abused. So it's only been quite recently that the Toltecs have agreed that this wisdom can be shared with the Western world. And so it is Don Miguel Ruz who has become the voice of the Toltec wisdom. I was fortunate enough to see him present at a Hay House conference many years ago, and he is an amazing man. I wanted to share a personal story first of what happened there. So he got on a plane from Mexico and came to Australia. Not an easy flight, a long one. And he arrived and they were backstage at the convention center with many other Hay House presenters and he became really distressed. He'd left his speech notes at home and not home as in the hotel, at home in Mexico. And he didn't know what to do. So what did he do? He walked out on the stage and he spoke from his heart and he spoke his wisdom and it was breathtaking. I cannot imagine that his scripted words could have been anywhere close to as divine as what he shared with us that day. And as for nerves, you would never have known that he was doing it on the run, flying by the seat of his pants, stepping into his heart and speaking his wisdom. He never shared this story. It was a speaker later in the day, Neil Donald Walsh, who's the wonderful author of Conversations with God. He shared the story. And so we were privy post-presentation of a story that caused some anxiety and stress, no doubt. And yet we witnessed such beautiful wisdom being shared. 
So today I want to jump into now the four agreements, what they are, how they show up in our life in the negative, in the shadow, and how you can implement the agreements in everyday life into your life to help you to be more self-empowered with love and happiness. It's time for Heart Talk. For those of you who are not familiar with the four agreements, and for those of you who are, it's time to recap. Here's what the four agreements are. The first one is be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. The third agreement, don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. And the final agreement in the book, The Four Agreements, because there is a fifth agreement we'll get to later. The fourth one is always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It'll be different when you are healthy as opposed to when you're unwell. Under any circumstance, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse and regret. I'm going to start with a couple of examples of how this plays out in real life, but I'm actually going to start with the second one. I'm going to start with don't take anything personally, because this is one that I think just about maybe 100% of highly sensitive people that I've coached or had conversations with have all struggled with at some point in their life. And I know for me, this was huge. As I've shared many times, my feelings were being hurt, not just on a daily basis, but almost on an hourly basis. Think the most sensitive of the sensitive and not having any tools to be able to understand other people's stories. So taking things personally was a big one. What was going on here was that I would believe that everybody's stuff, everyone's behavior was actually because of me. Instead of realizing that each person is doing the best they can with what they've been dealt. And so their stories are their stories unique to them. And because of their stories, they have the reactions that they do have. And yet I always felt it was about me. So taking things personally was by entwining myself very deeply into another person and entwining the stories together instead of separating and seeing with wisdom and clear eyes whatever their story is. So how did I move from taking things personally to not taking things personally? Well, the first thing I did was tied it in with the third agreement, which is don't make assumptions. And that meant if I didn't know, I had to ask. If I felt that I was assuming anything, guessing anything, making an assumption, 
then I had to learn to communicate clearly and I had to ask the question. Now that takes great courage. So what did I have to do next? I had to work on my self-belief. If my self-belief was so low that I couldn't speak my truth, I was taking things personally and making assumptions, then that's where I had to start. I had to start to back me. I had to start to believe in me. I had to learn to really know who I was, know my strengths and feel proud of me. Learn to start to accept me, learn to respect me, honor me and love me. And so there started the journey of self-love. So as I started to get to know myself better and I really became very disciplined with my self-talk, the voice in the head that needs shutting down, I really became impeccable with my word with me. I started with me first. So when I would say, oh, of course you didn't get invited to that party. Why would they want to be with you? You're hard work. I would immediately follow that up with, no, I'm actually not hard work. I am sensitive. And this is prior to knowing I was highly sensitive. I am sensitive. I am kind. I'm loyal. I'm compassionate. I'm a great person to be around. So I really worked hard on the self-talk, the affirmations and the self-love. As I grew in belief around who I was as a person, then I moved into learning to ask questions. I became really impeccable with my word. Now, most highly sensitive people will find that they probably have a gift for words, for being able to articulate well, but not everybody. And for many of you listening that are not highly sensitive, you too may have trouble with taking things personally anyway. And you might have trouble with speaking your truth. So how do we speak our truth? We drop into our heart and we ask, what is it that we're really feeling? Following on on last week's show about let's get real with the fear. What is the fear? What is it that I'm really worried about? And as you answer that question, you can then articulate it kindly with love for yourself, not accusing anyone of anything, but asking the question. So the impeccable word would look something like, you know, I noticed you all got together at something and I wasn't included and, you know, you're all very important to me. And I just wonder if perhaps next time could I be considered to be included? So you've educated somebody on where you were hurting and what you would like to have happen from here. Now that's an example, I could give a million examples on this one. So that's an example about taking things personally. So how the agreements tie in together. So you start by taking things personally. That's your trigger. That's your fear. You know what that's going on and you want to overcome that. So you do that by then recognizing that what other people do is because of them. It's not because of you. It's their own reality. It's their own behavior that they are doing to do the best by themselves. And so you then start to question what assumption you've made. Well, I've assumed I didn't get invited to the party because then I'm not liked. Well, then you ask the question, am I hard work to be around? You don't have to talk about the party, but if you want to find out, find out. And so often, if you were to say, you know, I'd really like to have been included in that, sometimes people might think, well, actually, you are hard work, or 
I didn't think you'd like this or you always said you didn't like large groups and this was a large group so I didn't include you because I know you don't enjoy that and I wouldn't want to make you feel like you have to come along to this and I know you're such a loyal friend that you would have said yes and you would have come along and you wouldn't have had a good time. You know, there's a beautiful example of another person you've asked of something and they've articulated their truth, which was actually kindness and compassion to you. And many, many times, that is the outcome. When you question something, there's always another side to the story that is easily understood by us. Sometimes it might sting a little, it might hurt what you hear, but at least you hear it, and then what you choose to do with that information is up to you. But so often, it's not a story that's going to sting. It's a realistic explanation that when you're given the full facts, you can have compassion and empathy for and totally understand. And then, of course, you've moved from the making the assumption into being impeccable with your word. And the key to that is always to be heart-centered. I want to give another example here of a beautiful friend of mine who has been in the past the biggest people pleaser. Now, by that, her energy is very angelic and princess. It's beautiful energy. It's an energy that many people admire and are drawn to. She has a huge network of people that that they would say consider her to be a friend. She's very well liked. She wants to please everybody and she can't. It's impossible for her to please everybody and not please herself. So she was coming last in the rat race of that. She was saying yes to everything when she wanted to say no. Then she was working herself up into quite a state because she would have to honour whatever it was that she said yes to. And then as that was coming up, as the time of that was approaching, she was becoming more and more anxious because she knew it was not what she wanted to do. And so then what ultimately happened was that she actually started lying. She started making excuses that weren't true because she wasn't able to speak her truth. And so she would come up with stories about why she had to pull out of an opportunity or a commitment or an agreement that she'd made with somebody to do something or experience something with them. And as she made up stories of why she couldn't, what she was doing was hurting the very people that she was trying to please. She was hurting them because they knew what she was saying was not the truth. But they couldn't work out why, because every time they engaged with her, the friendship was so warm and beautiful and solid and kind and loving that they couldn't understand this behavior. It didn't make sense. It wasn't in alignment with who this beautiful person is. So my friend had to learn to speak her truth and the four agreements helped her to do that. In this scenario, she had to recognize that the people-pleasing was not working for her, that she was actually hurting people more by not speaking her truth. And so to overcome that, she learnt gentle ways of speaking her truth, saying, you know, I do really enjoy spending time with you. I have got a lot on and I feel like at the moment I can't commit to that. However, can I let you know as it gets a bit closer because I may be able to join you and it's certainly something I would enjoy. Now, there might have been a few what we'd call white lies in there, so it's not really being impeccable with her words, but it was certainly a lot better than where she was at of speaking her truth or not her truth by saying, yes, 
when she wants to say no. So she had to transition and learn how do I get from the strong word of yes and the strong word of no. There's the 50 shades of grey in the middle and she was navigating her way through that with practice, which brings us to the fourth agreement for her. And that was to always do your best. Now, the example that I read out earlier is recognizing that your best is going to be different at different times. When you're healthy, it's going to be better than when you're unwell. And yet in this case, when you are learning a new skill, it's not going to be as good as when you have mastered the skill, but it is still your best. And acknowledging that you are doing your best as you are growing and trying a new way of being, or in this case, a new way of speaking, of speaking the truth, that is very important to bring those two together hand in hand. So knowing that when you are learning to be impeccable with your word, Recognize that you are always doing your best. It's time to hear from the Love Life Tribe. Rubia, do you have a favorite book? And if so, why is it your favorite? My favorite one at the moment um, is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Tolle. Yeah, Eckhart Tolle. Yes, yes. the Power of Now. I started reading that book maybe uh, beginning of the year and I was like, wow, this, this is so incredible. Because I used to, um, you know, be annoyed at things that happened in the past. I could have done like this. I could have done it like that. And always worried about the future. I just want to study. I want to graduate ASAP. I want to do a course that I can graduate. And I just want and want and want and just things like in the future, future. And this book just completely changed my life. It helped me. I haven't even finished yet, just the beginning that I started reading. It just helped ground myself and do the best I can right here, right now, and living in the moment. It's so powerful, so powerful. Um, a friend of mine was going through a breakup, and he was saying, oh, because, you know, my, my girlfriend, she's going to be with other guys and this and that, and then talk about the future. I said, the person that you are now cannot handle that the person that you'll be in the future so do the best you can now deal with a breakup now in three months time when you're getting over her and she's going to be with someone else you will be okay because you have gone through time and you will be able to deal with that then you're not able to deal with that now so it's staying the now so it's been very powerful for myself applying that to my life but I've been able to help out friends as well, just by giving them, you know, advice of just do the best you can to stay in the now. He's an amazing man and that's an incredible book. And you've reminded me of when I first got it. I think it was when it first came out and I'm not sure how long ago that was. Was it 10 years, 15? It was a long time ago. But I know that when I started reading it, I loved it. And then I just hit this point in the book where I went, I'm not understanding this. I'm not getting this. I was reading the same paragraph like over and over, night after night, and I just thought, I've just got to put this book down. I don't think I'm ready for it. So I was ready for part of the book but not ready for all of the book, and I implemented that into my life. And then I read the book again, I'm not sure how many years ago now. I can't, I can't remember, four or five years ago, but I was obviously had changed and shifted a lot, and I was ready to read it and absorb much more of it. But so many of these really enlightening highly conscious books that, you know, our Love Life Tribe are recommending in this podcast, they are the sort of books that you can reread years later and get totally different information from them. And uh, 
you know, when we're ready, the answers appear. And Edgar Toll's book, The Power of Now, is certainly one that uh, is on my list of recommendations. So thank you yeah. for sharing that with me. No problem. Thank you. So as far as my favorite book is concerned, I think there's a lot of books out there. But then what really resonated with me lately is uh, a book called uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover. And it really resonates with me deeply because uh, for the longest time, uh, given my, you know, uh, sensitivities and given my upbringing, I played this unconscious role of being a people pleaser and a nice guy. And I put on a facade which was completely focused on how to please people and put myself behind uh, so that I can actually get the emotional or whatever needs met and it didn't it didn't really work with me and uh, when I got a hold of this book it spoke as though it was literally a life history and a manual for guys like me and what that book paints a picture is uh, about how important it is for anybody to stop playing the nice guy and start owning up to their you know power energy and their true expression of who they really are without actually being a people pleaser. And it really had a profound impact on me. And frankly speaking, it is focused towards men, but I do believe that both men and women should read it so that they can actually stop playing small and playing nice and get into their power and express themselves fully. And I think it's a wonderful work, and that's really uh, it's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. But I totally get where you're coming from, where you were placing yourself last, you were the people pleaser, there wasn't really great sense of, of power of self. Can you give it an example that you now, how you would demonstrate you standing in that greater sense of self power than how you used to do it? Yes, uh, I think uh, it's, uh, it's been a conscious process. Uh, First of all, you know, uh, let me you know take a step back and let you know that in nice is nice. Frankly speaking, nice means nothing. All right, that's what I've understood. I think you are either good or not good. All right, so nice is a very vague term. It can be used in different aspects of it. And I think the intention behind the word we all get it. It's really not like you want to be you you know you really want to go out there and be an asshole. That's not the point. The point is to you know, really uh, get into a place where you are not, you know, in a in a in a perpetual place of being a people pleaser. So, how does that translate into my daily life, right? So, prior to you know going through this understanding, there was this unconscious need for you know putting uh, uh, making people much more important than me, and it was I think it it had come from my early childhood and it was not even a problem until it became a problem. So it was the only way I knew how to exist, right? So what would happen is I would actually not demand the kind of, in a, in a corporate setup, I would not demand the kind of, you know, uh, attention that I really need. I would not be able to impact the kind of presentations that I would like to present. The information that are the intentions of me you know, in a team setting would not translate into action simply because I was playing, a, you know, a, a, a role which would not tap into my power, which would not really express my uh, feelings very clearly. For example, if I don't like somebody doing a particular kind of work, I would not say it directly. I would just say it in a very, very nice way and it doesn't work. So not just in a professional setting, but more importantly, in a relationship setting, 
you know, it would all be about being nice to the opposite sex, being pleasing to the opposite sex. And it really put in a put me in a place where I was not able to kind of get, you know, experience the kind of deep relationships, the deep, kind of, the deep intimacy that I was looking for. And everything was touch and go. And it really put me in a place of looking within and saying, where am I not showing up? Where is the challenge? And I didn't even know how to understand what the problem was. And once I read it, I was able to see that this has been a habitual pattern that has been, you know, absorbed when I was very young and it's a it's a pathological problem with a lot of people. And so it's not about being aggressive, it's about not being scared of looking within and expressing what my real intent behind the communication or whatever that might be is. And that is being in integrity. Be, and sharing and letting people know that this is what you feel from a place of safety and also expressing your needs and expressing your worth very clearly. And that has something which comes up naturally for other people. But for me, it's been a journey to understand and being kind with myself and expressing it. That's how it translates. It's interesting that the vulnerability is so often to express authenticity it comes within the relationships because I know you have been a, a creative guru with Fortune 500 companies and have enjoyed massive success in your career. So would it be fair to say that it's more of a challenge for you to execute and show up in a deeper level of authenticity in the dating game or in the relationships game? Absolutely. And I should also let you know that even though there was massive, uh, and I would say massive, excellent you know, career, uh, you know, expression of myself. I've worked with a lot of top companies. Even at a place where I was striving career-wise, I did sense that. Now I can look back and basically say that if I was playing this game at this level of an emotional, you know, grounding, how, you know, much more could I have done if I was actually in my power? But as you said, where it really mattered was in intimate relationships, in the dating game, where I think, you know, it made a huge difference the moment I actually owned up to my authentic self. And, you know, women started appreciating it much more. And there was this, un, you know, invisible wall between, you know, what I wanted to be with respect to relationships and where I was. And the, that invisible wall was completely made up of bricks of Mr. Nice Guy Jalen, I wonder if you've got a favorite book. I can't remember the name of it. That's really frustrating. It's the it's the affirmation one by Louise Hay. Because I read that through all the way through. Um, you can heal your life. Is it that? It, that is the one. You can heal your life is is one that I read. I don't read many books because I struggle reading a lot of books. But um, that was one that I read from start to finish and knowing all the different affirmations and all the different ways you can heal yourself and love yourself and all these different things that I didn't know until I read this book. That was one that I that I still have and still love to look back on when I'm looking for an affirmation or something to brighten my day. So you use it as like a reference book now that you've read it? Mm. You know, you can go back mm. and look up whatever challenge you've got and then find the affirmation that's going to help you in that situation. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. It's one of my favourite books too. So my most favourite one is um, a book called A Thousand Splendid Sons by, I'll get his name wrong, Khaled Hussain. He was a guy who wrote The Kite Runner and also wrote 
Thousand Splendid Sons. I am not at all familiar with that book. So why is A Thousand oh, Splendid yeah. Sons your go-to book? Why is that the number one book? Well, um, it was one of those ones I couldn't put down. I had to finish in a, a day and a half, and I had to read during dinner and all that sort of stuff. So it's a novel about three women and their lives in Afghanistan during the, the Soviet occupation and then, uh, you know, the Soviets uh, kind of withdrawing and then the uprise of the Taliban. Wow. Uh, and it's just three different stories, three unique stories. What I love it so much, there was so much um, beauty in amongst, it, it was so harrowing at the same time, but there was also so much beauty and it's very exotic. I haven't read it, but it's, I'm going to put it on my bucket list because you've just reminded me that back in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, there was a, I was fascinated by a heap of books that came out uh, from Saudi Arabia and then there was, a, there was a book that came out called Not Without My Daughter and yes, it became that. a movie uh, with Sally Fields in it. Sally Fields. Yeah. yeah it was- Yes, and I and they she escaped through eastern Turkey border in a little place called Goromi. And Goromi, I don't know what the population is, but it's a little town in eastern Turkey. And she escaped through there in October of 1987. And I was in that town in Turkey in 1980, in October 87. And it fascinated me that I was absolutely, you know, within a kilometer of her making this massive escape and so that led me to quite a fascination with the Middle East and the role of women and women's rights and I'm going to do a shout out here because we have a huge group of women uh the love queen in Iran or is it Iraq apologies it's either Iran or Iraq but there's a whole heap of um women there that listen to the love life tribe and they post uh, on their Facebook pages about, you know, the content of what we're delivering. And it really inspires me that the change has to come from within and that as much as I always wanted to be of service to help, really there's nothing too much we can do except watch and support with love the self-empowerment of women to come from love and not fear so that they can raise their sons and their daughters with equality. And we're definitely seeing those changes. Would you say that that was uh, part of the theme of, of of these three women in this book in Afghanistan? Yes, I definitely. Um, but one of the one of the characters in the book I remember wore a burqa, and it was really interesting getting her take on wearing the burqa and how much freedom it actually gave her to be herself in that uh, that environment and. and and that's not something that, you know, you hear often, especially in the, in the Western world. Uh, so, yeah, look, I just found it very, very, very interesting to, uh, I guess, learn about a culture that was so different and yet some of the same family issues and some of the same issues with children, you know, remain completely, completely the same. I also love that you mentioned in the book 1000 Splendid Sons is – the story of the beauty within trauma. And I think that's something that's really important for all of us, particularly as conscious high vibrational beings, is that we do have the gift of being able to 
have the discipline of focus to see that which pleases us, even when we are in the eye of trauma. And, you know, the world is very much at unrest at the moment. And I encourage our listeners to really, you know, read books like this if you can be motivated to then, or not motivated, to be committed in discipline to see the beauty within. And just remember that wherever there is trauma, look around the edges and there are all of the earth angels doing their thing. There is so much beauty always within trauma. Peter? So much violence and conflict, but there was also the surrounding countryside that's very desolate, but, you know, beautiful at the same time. So. Jean's Thought for the Week. If we have a look at most relationship issues, not all, but an awful lot of them, they can be solved by the four agreements. One of the biggest things I see in relationships is where people have an inability to speak their truth intimately within the relationship. And this causes an issue because it becomes inauthentic. It's a non-genuine, authentic relationship. And the fears often come about for not wanting to hurt somebody else's feelings. Could be making an assumption there. It's where somebody's going to take something personally. Again, that's not really your responsibility. And where the truth is not spoken. Not just that, one of the other battles that I see a lot of, of course, is if we look at the fourth agreement of do your best, it's actually the battle over who's doing the best. Who's doing the most? Who's bringing the most to the table? And a sense of inequality going on. And so in that scenario, it is really looking at what the best is from each person. And not setting the other up to fail in that. It's looking at what are realistic expectations that you can have from yourself and from the other. And having those conversations. And that does mean being impeccable with your words. If I could wave a wand, it would be for everybody in a relationship, which is all of us because we all have relationships of some sort, whether it's a a married situation or whether it's friendships or relationships with people you work with, family, etc. If I could wave that one wand, it would be for everybody to be able to dig deep, connect with their heart and be impeccable with their word. So much would be solved by that. By not taking things personally and that's by doing the work on self-love, on growth within yourself, of creating healthy boundaries, of understanding the stories of somebody else's stuff, separating what's their stuff from your stuff, and by not making the assumptions that lead to unrest. Using these four beautiful agreements within your relationships will transform them, I promise. Now I want to get on to the fifth agreement. So what is this fifth agreement? Well, the fifth agreement is... Be sceptical, but learn to listen. Now, there's a whole book devoted to just this one agreement. So I'm just going to give my take on it in a short summary, and I highly encourage you to get both of these books and read them from front to back and keep them as a reference book. It's something that you can revisit time and time again. So the fifth agreement about being sceptical, it's understanding that really most things in life are just not true. Everything is an illusion created by the individual's reality. And that reality is created based on their past history. And so no two situations are ever the same. 
and therefore there is no truth. So it is really becoming skeptical about everything you hear, probably including this podcast, and looking at where does that come from? What is that story? Can you reach for a deeper understanding of what that is? Can you get to be the detective by witnessing in another their story at a deeper level and recognizing that, sure, it's their truth for now in their reality that they've created, but that is all it is. It's like a painting. No two of us are ever going to see the same thing in a painting. Well, it's exactly the same with a story. So being skeptical is understanding that the truth just isn't the truth. You're just a story. I'm just a story. We're all just stories. Don't judge. Just respect the story. And the second thing is to learn to listen. Because when you can really listen at a deeper level, when you can really listen to the power language that's going on, the carefully chosen words, particularly if somebody who is speaking impeccably with their word or somebody who is speaking emotionally with their triggers. I did talk about this in last week's episode. You can start to really see their story as you listen and you realize that life is just all these stories. Now, in the book, The Fifth Agreement, Don Miguel Ruse talks about symbols, that we speak in symbols. And that's a much bigger concept that I will leave for you to enjoy as you read his book. However, I'm kind of doing the shortcut and saying symbols equals stories. And so once we can recognize that it's just another story without judgment, but with respect, then we are free. So mastering the first four agreements and then moving into be skeptical, but learn to listen. We really are completely free. Intention. Affirmation for the week. I commit to heart-centered, open, loving, honest communication. And that is my affirmation or intent for you for this week. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you would like to check out other episodes, head to lovelifeshow.com. And if you would like to join in the conversation with us post-show, then head to our private Facebook group. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash lovelifeshow. And pinned to the top is where you click on to request to join the group. Of course, if you want help coaching through the four agreements or any other relationship stuff, then please consider booking in for a one-to-one with me. And you can find all my coaching details at janedonovan.com.au. So until next week, have a beautiful week committing to heart-centered, open, loving, honest communication. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.